0: So I think that's just really neat. To, and, and I don't know. I was I, I made a comment somewhere. I don't know if it's just because I'm cheap, but <laughs> the idea of being able to kind of get the Halloween party-ish stuff. You stole my comment. For, for without having to say, take a, a, a separate hard ticket. I think I might actually like this better. Than well, no. I mean, when I was...
1: Hey everyone, this is the DBC Pod with Phil Schoen and me, Jason Dodge, and this is the Week in Review of August 29th, 2020. Again, this is the show where we talk about what you're talking about across social media, and we scrape everything and find the best topics of the week and discuss them here. However, we always start with the news with our very own Phil. (laughs) Um, I think we're going to start quick on this one because we've got a lot of good stuff to talk about. A lot of kind of... As you're going to find out a lot of like meaty discussions kind of things that are post pandemic i guess you could say some kind of future plans which are always nice to talk about and uh kind of do some of our own armchair imagineering of why and the what so uh phil why don't you start us off with the news i'm just i'm just going
0: right into it just go right into it okay so uh the first news is actually a sad item but i didn't want to not mention it um i'm sure most of you are aware that uh, chadwick Bozeman unfortunately passed away this past week Uh, of colon cancer at only the age of 43 Um, and I think it was a definitely a loss that was felt pretty significantly obviously through the the Disney community with his role in Black Panther um, and and the other you know some of the other Marvel movies but just the impact he seems to have had on so many people Um, one thing that I saw was interesting was somebody pointed out you know a day or so ago that the post about his passing became the most liked tweet ever and at that point, it was at 5.5 million, and I just wow. checked, now it's at 7.5 million. So he clearly, was so yeah. well
1: respected within the yeah. acting community, the Disney community, everywhere. He was a role model to so many people. It's 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 a shame and a
0: yeah. huge loss. I just was you know, looking through the things he he was. I mean, somebody put it in here that you know he had cancer, was fighting it for four years, and in that time, he filmed Black Panther, Civil War, Marshall, Infinity War, Endgame, Twenty One Bridges, and The Five Bloods. And Amazing. It's just, you know, he knew he had to get this done for what it represented and that sort of thing. And he just put that in there. Um, And one other tweet that I saw that, you know, really kind of hit me um, was this was from uh, September 12th, 2018. He went into uh, St. Jude and was visiting kids who had cancer and was kind of trying to cheer them up. Meanwhile, nobody knew he was fighting cancer at the same time. It's amazing, that nobody. That was such a surprise to everybody. That's just a testament to his fortitude and his positive outlook on everything. Yeah, so I think uh, obviously, you know, the impact he's had, um, the impact that Black Panther had, and how you know it did so well, proving that movies, you know, with with diverse you know casts can do well. Um, So, we'll just leave it with one quote that I found from Black Panther that that he said in the movie where he said, "I did not yield." As you can see, I am not dead. The challenge continues. So I think that you know the challenge continues, do not yield is sort of a good takeaway, I think. Um, shifting gears slightly, um, it was Disney announced that they're going to put up, we already knew that the Halloween parties were canceled, uh, but they are going to be putting up fall decor, so the Halloween decorations and that sort of thing. Um, it's going to be in Magic Kingdom from September 15th through October 31st. Um, and I think it's, it's kind of neat because they're doing some of the Halloween stuff. So they're going to theme the character cavalcades will be like Halloween inspired. Cool. Um, you're, they're allowing everybody, including adults to wear costumes if they want to the park I those days. That. So I think that's just really neat. To, and, and I don't know. I was, I, I made a comment somewhere. I don't know if it's just cause I'm cheap, but <laughs> the idea of being able to kind of get the Halloween party ish stuff, you stole my comment for, for without having to say, take a, uh, a separate hard ticket i think i might actually like this better <laughs> well <laughs> no i mean
1: when i was down there last last august um they had just started putting it up I, I was it august 16th i went down so like by the middle of my week there it was starting to go up with some of the pumpkins and everything else getting ready for the, the party and uh they had um some extra magic hours and the wife and i went for our only adult only couple hours at one of the parks <laughs> and it was awesome like it was night out everything the lights were up all the nice oranges and everything else it's i love i love when they decorated and i also like how it's not like you know six months of the year that it's decorated for halloween it's it's like september mid-september through um oh it ends (laughs) at halloween which is which is pretty cool makes it a little bit more special i guess if you're lucky enough to go down during that time
0: yeah agreed
1: but, uh, oh, and another point, I bet it's, it's, they're better off doing that because that's going to attract more of the locals because that's where they're relying with on business.
0: More on that discussion later on in the show. Yeah. No, that's a good but, point. And, and I'm, um, it, I, I didn't have it uh, specifically linked here, but they've also come out with a lot of the special merchandise and stuff, some of which I know in the past has only been available at the parties, but will be available to the regular guests. So there's some neat looking stuff. And I'm, Eyeing yeah, the, uh, a Le- right yeah, the Madame Leota sippers kind of have my eye on it, but we'll see if <laughs> I can find somebody to pick that up. Uh, and then kind of the last straight news item before we get into some something that I think will spark more conversation is that I just posted today, uh, not much notice, that Tokyo Disneyland is going to be resuming their fireworks uh, September 1st, so tomorrow. Um, and they're also going to be doing a new sort of nighttime mini parade i guess it's what they normally do when it rains they're going to have some sort of night parade um, as well so obviously uh, tokyo or japan in general is a very different situation from a COVID standpoint compared to the us or florida um how tokyo disney disneyland is run is differently but i think it'll be interesting just to see fireworks in a disney park and kind of how any social distancing is is organized and stuff like that so obviously it's 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 nowhere near coming to florida yet but hey baby steps i guess
1: well i think it's you know you, you you think of disney as a florida or a california company and then maybe they do some movies but you also have to realize their their parks is a global company or it's a global reach and it's it's from a from point of view where we're rooting for disney to get um some financial stability back in order it's also a good sign that they're kind of in the in the in the uh The chinese and the uh, the uh, the china japan and hong kong parks are a little ahead of where we are here in the states and that might increase the health financial health of of that department which is always nice true true
0: so the next topic which i think will be a little bit more of a discussion topic was around uh the polynesian it just came out is going to be remain closed the the non-dvc side so kind of the cash room area um until summer 2021 this surprised so, a lot of people today. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I know people were like, oh, is it going to open? It looked like a couple of hotels maybe got pushed back a little bit, but to go all the way to su- 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 summer, excuse me, summer 2021, that was a lot. Now, they did say that they're going to be taking that time to refurbish rooms and also the the, the grand, um, the, the the main building, the entrance room, which people were a little surprised about because that just got a lot of work uh, in 2015. Um, so people are kind of wondering what's going to happen there. Um, and then it did also come out that the monorail station is also going to be worked on. So starting early October, there will be no monorail service to the Polynesian. And the only way to get over there is then from uh basically either drive around there or you take a boat. Yeah. Or you can walk from the TTC.
1: Yep. Yep. That's it. I mean, like this, this is interesting because I, I suspect that, you know, as reality kind of hits with a lot of the Disney parks and, you know, we're not going to see a quick turnaround with the the uh, situation here and, you know, with the whole election season going on and, and all that other type of stuff that kind of disrupts business as usual, um, especially a presidential election, regardless of who's in office. You go back, it always upsets business. But now I, I, D- Disney has a unique thing here that they can put a positive on it or or kind of take advantage of the downtime and really put together some really good plans Um to, to close some things down and kind of refurbish them the way they really want to. Yeah. Um, and it, It's nice to see that they're taking advantage of it. And the other backside thing yeah. of this is you can, you can see Disney's not running away um, from needed improvements. They're investing mm-hmm. in the future because God knows that in the last 10, 20 years, these slowly push things, for uh, you know kicking the can down the road, so to speak, especially with how Epcot is right now where everything's under construction um and I think they're looking to bounce pretty big uh, back pretty big next year and I kind of like this because it's I think I think you're going to see more of this also yeah. throughout a lot of the parks
0: yeah I was really glad to hear that they're going to be doing some work to it that it wasn't just going to be left you know empty um and then I guess the other big news related to that is that it's going to be moana themed or um I guess and it gets to be determined how heavily themed to Moana it is what they said was Pacific Pacific Ocean inspired color palette and contain details, patter- patterns and textures from Moana. So we we'll see so what I means, want to get but... your opinion
1: on that because I've never stayed at the Poly um, and you know, I- I've never really experienced it um, at any for any extended period of time. Do you want to see IP being invaded in, into that uh, resort? I mean, it's probably one of the most heavily
0: or well themed deluxe resorts on property. Yeah. So I've definitely been on record. Um, You can see articles. You can see my comments that I don't like when the Disney hotels look like they could be hotels anywhere. Yep. Um, I like that when they're transportive. And I think the Polynesian as it was, was transportive. One of the most, Um, I think. Yeah, I would say so. Um, So I guess to me, it kind of depends how heavily, you know, when they just kind of talk about the patterns and textures and bringing in that sort of Pacific Island notes to it, um, I think that's cool, and I think if there's some elements, you know, maybe she's added, you know, Moana as a character is added to the character breakfast they do at Ohana or something like that. I think that would be cool. I think adding elements of Moana. I think it's a great movie. It's an underrepresented movie so far, um, and there's it fits obviously that IP fits the theme. One um, comment, if it's super you...
1: heavy, let me jump. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I just, just because you mentioned it, because it's you said Moana is a sneaky movie. I think it's or, or underrated. I think it's sneaky one of the best Disney movies of the last fifteen years. Yeah. Only because I, I think the music for that movie yeah. is probably some of the best, and that that might be it's not it's not shown up in advertising and merchandise and everything else. But it's I think it's almost as it's better. I thought it was better than the Frozen soundtrack. But then again, I'm a nearly forty year old man, not <laughs> obsessed with princesses, so you know other people have other opinions. Yeah, but I, I think, love uh, that soundtrack.
0: I guess just to share my thoughts, I think the big songs, I probably prefer Frozen's. I think, you know, the kind of the Broadway elements to them. Sure. But the other music that use the more the native language and stuff like that, I think are fantastic. Like love as them. those that sort of background noise or, or those songs I really love. And I actually I, I think I listen to those more than you know, her big songs and stuff like that. So that was my
1: oldest daughter's first Disney movie in the theaters, because when, when frozen came out, she was, she was way too young. I think she was, was frozen 13. Uh, yeah. 13. So yeah, my, my daughter's probably like still stole a top um, infant at the time. She was on, she did not even turn one yet. And then when Moana came out, she was, I think four, I think that was like 2017. I want to say 20 sounds about right. 16, 17. Yeah. So she loved that this movie, and we've she, she used to listen to that soundtrack over and over again. I mean, I I, I zoned out when um, Let It Go comes on, but <laughs> anytime that I think it's the second track on the uh, the soundtrack came on, I always listen to it. Like yeah, you said, no, all I the think native. it's
0: We We Know the Way. The yes, way,
1: whatever, whatever. yes, yeah. love that song. It's pretty good. Anyway, that I mean. Not that that was kind of a little diversion from your original point. So you were talking about how much and if Moana's part of like the character meal, that type of thing.
0: Yeah. So so I think if it's if it's more subtle, if it's more in the colors and some of the patterns and I don't want you know, there's hidden Mickey, so I don't want to say like hidden Moana's type things around. Um I think that would be great. I think that would add a little extra to it and that sort of thing. If all of a sudden there's giant, you know, three-story tall maui statues like they have a pop or something like that yeah um, that i would not that. be a fan of so i think it's i'm open to it uh, i'm cautiously optimistic because the poly seems to be the one hotel they don't want to mess up too much you know the, i think isn't it they.
1: Of... is it their most popular resort yeah i mean yeah, what, i know mean, they call the grand Floridian,
0: their their flagship um but obviously you know the polynesian and, the, and and the contemporary the original hotels i think they're the ones that people associate with walt disney world more than anything so yeah um, they seem to i think get a lot of love so so I, I think they won't want to screw it up but i guess we'll see
1: yeah we'll definitely see
0: so next new topic is the cove hotel which for those of you who don't know what it was it was a boutique hotel that was going to be added on or is in the process of being added on to where the swan and dolphin hotels are so it's a marriott run property it's not a Disney hotel. Um, It was called the Cove and it was supposed to be more of a boutique hotel. It wasn't going to be as big or grandiose, Um, but was interesting news and it seemed kind of subtle, but it just came out um, that instead of being known as the Cove anymore, it is now going to be called the Swan Reserve. And what I found really interesting about it uh, is that it says it's going to have two presidential suites, which obviously I'll never see. And 149 spacious suites, with floor-to-ceiling windows and perfect for families of six to eight. So now, I think, oh, go ahead. No, because here's a couple things
1: that I, I've read a couple articles. There's, everybody says it's basically the same language, right? A, I don't know. I don't get the name, be calling the reserve. They said it's more reflective of the direction that we're going with this. I, I really don't know what that means. Yeah. Um, originally, correct me if I'm wrong, I read in a couple articles. So that it reminded me that it was built to be a a um convention based hotel for for business people and now there's so that's all fine but then you're now coming out with this large party rooms of what do they say 6 to 8 six, people it's eight, yeah it sleep 6 to 8 basically matching what the two bedroom villas do in all the dvc resorts yep. essentially mm-hmm. correct so my two questions for you and then you can add more additional insights from from your research is why the reserve, what that means, are they going away from the convention-based um, build or feeling, and why is it, did, is it the reporters inserting family, or was that coming from Marriott inserting family
0: into the whole conversation? So I'm not sure why Swan Reserve. The only thing I can think of is that they started viewing this less as its own property, like its own third sort of standalone building and more as complementing an existing one. And so they kind of wanted to make that connection. Um, but other than that, I'm not really that sure. Um, I don't I don't see why it needed to be called that. I mean, even if it was still called The Cove, that would have been fine. Um, and from the, the tweet I'm reading, which is from Jen LaForge, it's, she has it in quotes from the press release that says everything I said, that it uses perfect for families of six to eight. It's in quotes in her from the press release now they do realize
1: that families of six to eight are usually not well actually no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna generalize there i was gonna say most of the time when you're bringing a family of six or eight you're being a little cautious with your money so with the art of animation suites almost always available for when you want to go down there and they're rack rated at between four and five hundred fifty dollars a night um, i'm curious what the price point of this is going to be well, I think, and doing. the other
0: key thing about this is that it's not a Disney hotel; it's part of Marriott. So yes, it'll probably be maybe comparable to the Art of Animation Family Suites. Um, but big difference being, okay, what if I'm a business traveler and I have a million Marriott points? Now I can stay there for free or, or I get points or whatever. Um so That's and just I know points, some though. people like like the Marriott Marriott or the, just those business hotels because of the services they provide and stuff like that. So
1: I just want to say that as somebody that was a Hilton traveler a few years a few years ago that traveled twenty two weeks out of the year, four nights out of the week Monday through Thursday night, um, I never had enough points to stay a full week um, at any of the other Hilton properties that are down there for a week. That would house a large family, so that's a lot of marriage. Yeah, be a lot of points.
0: Yeah, so and
1: two, if they were my the the next point I had was they would have had to plan the size of these rooms well ahead of this, right? They just didn't switch on a dime like the architectural design of these buildings. What were the, if this was a, a a convention or business or boutique type hotel? Were they originally planning for? six to eight people because business trips don't have six to eight people staying in a room ever and typically typically if you have like a homewood suites type of thing which is basically two bedrooms with a central living room and a kitchen you might have like two businessmen staying together for like a month type of thing because they have their own separate rooms um
0: i'm curious to see what the layout looks like yeah and and that's a good point though because already you know other tweets have come out they started putting on some of the decorative elements to the outside and stuff like that. Like it's pretty far along. It's opening next year. It's not like yeah that it's early on that they could have switched. So that's a good point.
1: Now, the Swan and Dolphin pretty good with their, their transportation to the parks. You basically get all the amenities that you would get at a typical Disney resort, minus maybe the, the music and some of the theming a little bit. Maybe it's yeah. more like the... Um, uh, The tower at coronado springs why can't i remember the name of the tower name i don't know why Uh, grandestino Uh, thank you Uh, maybe it's something similar to that but i would consider it if the price point
0: was there but i just don't know if the price point is going to be there yeah i guess we'll see i think the one big thing they don't get they don't get magical express i don't think
1: but other than that they get they do get
0: they do get most of the other perks but beyond that like
1: what would motivate people other than having marriott points because obviously that's a big you know Cost saver, if you had that, what's the other motivation to if you're a party, if you've, you're you a family, let's say four kids or my situation, three kids and a grandparent type of thing? What's my motivation for staying there versus art of animation or something else like that, which yeah. would probably be a comp to that? What's my draw? The only thing I
0: could think of is just if you prefer those types of amenities that come with the business hotel, you know, interior hallways, stuff like that. Um, and if you prefer that location, being closer to Epcot and stuff like that.
1: But it's for families, though. Like, yeah. typically, are families really going heavy on Epcot? I mean, well, like, if you, have, I mean, if you
0: have older kids, I think, or if, if you yeah, just want to do. Yeah, teenagers, I guess. And if you just want stuff for everybody, you know, I think, or you just want to do something different. I know, I know a lot of people that do like the Swan and Dolphin um, and a lot of people that love even as families staying at, you know, Beach club hmm. or boardwalk or something something like that. Well, so. well, that's a Disney resort though. Right, also,
1: right. but but I don't know. I, I, I'm going to be interested to see the crossing of the price point with the target audience for this. Because to me, when I think large family, I'm thinking tender towards the younger side of the family. Because otherwise, you might be getting two rooms. So, like, the, if you have teenagers, they have like their own little privacy yeah. in another room type of thing, rather than you know, like an apartment type of thing. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see as we develop.
0: That's something I'm going to closely be paying attention yeah. to. Because I mean, at the end of the day, more places on property that house larger groups, I think is a good thing. Exactly you know? what I was going to say. I, obviously, just saying Perfect. that, at least partly because I am a larger party. Yes. <laughs> um, and then the last uh, news topic is about uh, the Walt Disney World Park Reservation Systems and that there was a, an article or an interview with the park's chairman, uh, Josh DeMauro, where he was talking about different things related to how the parks are doing and coming back and the economic drivers and things like that. And he was talking about uh, technologies that have been implemented, um, so including the park reservation s- system, but also things like the mobile ordering, contactless menus and, and, and other things that basically have been come implemented or used to a greater degree uh, because of what they had to do with COVID and social distancing and mm-hmm. things like that. And what he mentioned in there is that, and this is the quote from him, uh, the technology doesn't only help us during a time of a pandemic, but I also think it actually leads to a better cast and guest experience. So these are things that are helping us now, but I think they're here to stay. So everybody saw this and went off running and said, okay, park (laughs) reservation system is here forever. Uh, When, yes, that's one of the things he mentioned, um, but I think he was talking more about the technology, but. I also do think there's a good chance, at least for a long time, these the park reservation system is here. So pe- people got talking about this. Well, what it means, you know, you know, a lot of people, especially you know, pass holders that aren't staying on property, you know, complaining about how many slots they get. Um, I have some thoughts. I've shared thoughts already online, but uh, maybe I'll get your thoughts first, Jason. Yeah, I mean, we we've been talking about
1: this on and off the show for quite a bit, and online quite a bit, right? Um, I think it's pretty easy. So, all the other stuff, you can see that they've been slowly adding mobile ordering. So, I'll save reservations for last, right? So, they've been slowly adding mobile ordering to more and more places throughout the parks. And the reason why they just didn't do it all at once because it's disruptive and it's hard to train people how to do that and everything else. This kind of, with COVID, it kind of reset all of that and allows them to say, okay, this is the way to do it. Because it, it you have less people waiting in lines for food, they tend to be happier and not as cranky, maybe they spend more money clicking a button on their app and paying for it there rather than handing over cash online. So mobile ordering is always a good thing for everybody, I think. I know I can go and order a Dole Whip without having to wait online because no one's doing mobile ordering, so I just walk up and grab it and I'm good to go. So it, that's, that's a good system. Um, touchless surfaces with like Magic Bands, um, and um, what are the other things that they they promoted in the article? Just like so
0: I uh, yeah, t- said the menus, the contactless menus that you can look up on your phone. I think just oh, yes. payment, you know, payment wise, using much more contactless payment.
1: Yeah, so contactless payment I'm all for, but like all the RFID stuff and the QR code scanning type stuff, I think is really clever. Especially if we're transitioning everything to the phone, everybody yep. should probably have a phone if they're going to Walt Disney World at this point. Um, I love the adoption of technology. It's all there. It's just now, it, it all all took was a way to push your um, habits of how you do things. So I'm all for that. So now about the reservation system. I talked about this a lot online, and we might have even touched upon it on this show in previous weeks. The reservation system allows Disney to not only steer people to certain parks whenever they want. It allows them to know how many people are going to that park that day and adequately staff it for the traffic that they're getting it's as simple as that disney will never ever give up data that they've been collecting i mean you, as soon as they you they're forcing you to tell i'm going to be a park this day i'm going to be a park this day you know it's going to be there forever they're never going to get rid of it and it's going to work closely with their paid fast pass system that comes on board in like yeah. a year i think
0: So I think my thoughts are similar. One thing that I do keep reminding people is a reservation system is most likely here forever or for the long term. It doesn't mean it'll work exactly like the current one does. Oh, well, certainly not. It doesn't mean that there won't be park hopping again. It doesn't mean that pass holders will only be able to reserve three or whatever how it is. I think it'll be much simpler, um, except for maybe, you know, like New Year's Eve and stuff like that. I think most times you'll be able to get a reservation for at least a park, no problem. Um, Park hopping, I think, will come back. I agree with you about the data. I think they wanna know what they know and and move people around as best they can. You know, like you said, maybe they'll open up more for this park if they they need to get more people there versus other areas. Um, So I think it's here to stay and your point about the fast pass system in some ways this almost will become your fast pass instead of having to make these three fast passes 60 days in advance you make your park reservation and that gets you access to a the just the standby lines or the virtual queue or the paid fast passes whatever it is so it's sort of i think it's one of those things that some people or maybe even many people would be annoyed with for a little while and then you know a year later two years later nobody will mind it because it's just become that's what it is and you get used to it
1: now i mean I could've sworn we talked about this last week, but it's it's been one day extra than the usual, so it's completely out of my mind now. Um but you know, it's just like how Disney manipulates a little bit their standby wait times to make people walk through that land and maybe find a different ride to go on, type of thing. Or they look or, or their app says that wait times in fantasy land are a little bit higher than Tomorrowland, so everybody heads to Tomorrowland to kind of disperse that. Um they're gonna do that with the parks. Um and then they're also going to probably potentially incentivize people to go to other parks. So let's say you uh, let's say uh, Magic Kingdom is filling out; it's like a yellow block, right? It's it's slowly filling up, and you know we're getting towards capacity. You might have a pop up saying, "Hey, come to Animal Kingdom this day instead of Magic Kingdom." Or let's say you book the reservation. Let's 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 go back a little bit. Let's say you're planning your va- vacation. Reservations for parks are now at the 60 day mark, like fast passes were. And you got to book your parks. So you're going into Magic Kingdom, you book Magic Kingdom, and um, then you go to your second day and you're booking Hollywood Studios. And then all of a sudden, Hollywood Studios pops up, and, and, or My Disney Experience says, it pops up and says, You can have a reservation for Disney Hollywood Studios, but it's very busy this day. If you, dis- if you like, you can switch to Animal Kingdom, and we'll give you one free Fast Pass if you book Animal Kingdom this day instead. Now they're trying to incentivize people away from the parks. I think you're going to see a lot of that. Just yeah. probably spread those crowds around and
0: get people to go to those those other parks. Because, no, um... oh, God, fully agree. I, I was just going to say that I fully agree with that. And I think, obviously, the the whole thing out there about the genie is still out there too. But as it there starts getting more of these sort of automated vacation planning systems. mm-hmm that it'll be doing that some some of that automatically. So let's say you know, obviously it's more, say there's ten thousand families that are using the genie. The genie will be smart enough to not book everybody for Magic Kingdom right. on the first day, and that's you know it'll kind of spread them those people around as well.
1: I know that I typically have the only thing I always have to have on my vacations. I always do Magic Kingdom the first and the last day that I'm there. That's the, you're not going to okay. disincentivize that unless you want to give me a free night at a hotel somewhere. Money talks, but. <laughs> everything in between is typically I kind of have get a feeling of how I want my vacation to go. Like, do I want to do like an Epcot day or an animal kingdom next day type of thing? So I always kind of get a feel for that. And we have usually have family meetings and what everybody feels like is a good kind of flow to your vacation. But if they want to throw out like a, a free, you know, Mickey bar or a fast pass or something super cheap for them to fill up the other parks, because I would love to see the data Disney has that if after a park reaches a certain capacity, does the park start making less money per person? Because people either leave early or they're too busy in line. They're not busy enough buying merch or food, that type of thing. So there's got to be a breaking point where like, if the park is at 60% capacity, um, the per guest spending is X. And then there's probably a chart somewhere that they can fi- easily find where they want to get people where they're going to spend the most money, and I think this is the only way you can do it because yeah. fast passes were unreliable, right? People either didn't show up for fast passes or like fast pass Magic Kingdom, but decided in the morning to go to Epcot instead, and it's just like okay, we just won't have fast passes then, or they switched them that the night before yeah. and got whatever they wanted, right? Because it's such an easy easy system to use. So I think I think it's definitely here to stay. I think there's definitely going to be a lot of people crying and moaning about it and how it takes away their freedom and you know it's not like it was in the old days but like you said at the beginning there's going to be hoppers there's going to be ways to change your reservation if you really want to um for example like you know how everybody goes crazy about 80 hours at 180 days i don't know what i'm going to want to eat six months from now well you don't have to you can kind of book what you kind of feel like and then i know i change my reservations all the way up to six hours beforehand if necessary so
0: one thing that would be nice work. is if the system kind of has that more bundled. So in in your example, where it said, "Hey, uh, you know that park you picked is going to be really crowded. Would you consider switching it with your Animal Kingdom day?" And if you do, we will switch all your fast passes, all your dining, and stuff like that, kind of automatically. Because I know that's something that would bug people is like, "Well, yeah, I could do Animal Kingdom, but I kind of already had all my other reservations already set up." You mean, you could... let's say
1: you're you're booking reservations at Day sixty, maybe they even push that out to 180. But let's say it's sixty. So Dave, you set everything up like you normally do. You get your, your you wake up the morning of day sixty. You book. Yeah. You have your ADRs booked already. Then you now you book your reservations and blah 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 and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. So you're saying now at day 40, Disney sends you an email and say, "Hey, by the way, would you like to switch?" Yeah. Is this is this your?
0: Yeah. Whether it's day 40 or even closer in, but then say and we know for you know your Hollywood Studios day you had whatever say by then they have fast rise of the resistance and you had a dining reservation at the the brown derby or whatever let's say flip-flop them with you were going to go to animal kingdom the next day if you reverse them we're going to move all your reservations and stuff like that so you don't lose any of that um but it's just kind of all bundled together because i know that that's what yeah. sometimes Annoys people when they feel like they have to switch days when park hours change or something. It's like, it's like well, I had all my reservations and stuff like that. Now I got to figure out if I can get them again and stuff like that. So,
1: well, here's another thing: you're already you're already logged in, right? When you're looking for reservations. So, let's say it's day fifty, right? Everything is planned. Yep. And you're like, you know what? I really wish I can go to um, you have your Animal Kingdom or your Disney, Hollywood Studios day booked, and you're trying to book derby for a different time so let's say a reservation for eight but you're spamming the server looking for the eight or the six o'clock hour right the disney knows that you're making that call through their website through their api they can use that data says hey you want to switch animal kingdom day we can get you a six o'clock reservation that you really wanted if you switch i mean if they're going to do it, you got to do yeah. it right like that. And that
0: you can really, you won't even have to offer them anything for free. You'd be like, I was hmm. going to say, yeah, just give me a better time or something like that. And I'm, I'm happy to switch versus even needing to give me another fast pass or something. I like that. I think, I think if, if,
1: Granted, it's probably not going to work right off the bat. It's <laughs> probably going to be like yeah, what I'm just describing is what it works in the test environment. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But you have, a, you have a Brown Derby reservation for eight o'clock at one night. And you're really trying to get six, but they're offering you Cinderella's Royal table at four o'clock in the afternoon on the day that you're <laughs> not even there. You're like, no, Disney, it's broken. Stop. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, to kind of kind of sum up this this kind of got me excited because I, I love the data, I love the planning aspect. I want to get a leg up on how to plan a Disney vacation. This doesn't phase me whatsoever because I know what park I'm going to go to anyway. So I'm really curious to see how Disney does this. Should be fun, I think. Good. So, like a good newsman, you were. You transitioned us right into topics. But I think all of your this. I think this is the longest news section because we're now at the half hour mark. Longest news section you've given us I think so far in this whole entire show so we had the transition so the next topic we want to talk to we want to give something a little bit lighter um, WDW info had a good article that you found Phil um, that they posted when did they post this because I missed this one actually this was on August 27th by um, I'm not going to I'm not going to pronounce this right first name properly uh, Rad, Hamas Gonzalez hopefully I pronounced that properly um, he talked about your name correctly um My child is outgrowing Disney, so Phil. Since this one grabbed your attention, yeah. one you throw. In I the thought, lead? well,
0: just the headline did grab my attention, and it, it is something that I'm a little worried about. You know what happens? I, you know, my oldest is 11 now, and she's becoming a, a tween and becomes a teenager and stuff like that. Is she still going to want to do oh, the boy. Disney stuff with us? Um, so, reading his article, I thought it was it was also interesting points in that they he and his wife got into Disney a little bit later. Whereas obviously his daughter's been going since you know birth almost, um, so she's been inundated with it, and she's maybe like, all right, I've kind of done this. Let's try something different. Whereas for them, it's still sort of relatively new. They've done other things in their mm-hmm. life, and it just kind of got me thinking about what happens if whether it's your child or just somebody or even you, yourself, right? Where maybe you're a little Disney out, and what do you do? Does that make you feel weird? Or do you try to defend it? Do you fight it? Do you kind of go with it? Um, and he offers up some suggestions for like sort of how to deal with it and how to address it with your child. But just sort of that topic, I I do know, um, just with all the planning and a lot of people have had to reschedule vacations and stuff like that. I do see some people maybe kind of like, all right, maybe I I need a Disney, you know, we, we need to go on a break or something like that. So, uh, it it just kind of jumped out at me and I thought he had some good points. Um, or at least some good thoughts, and, and I don't know if you got a chance to read the whole article, Jason, or if you had thoughts, but...
1: No, I mean, I, I read it, and um, it's it's a good article, because his situation is very similar to mine. I came to Disney late in life, my kids have been in, dated since they were, my oldest was two and a half years old, and everybody's been there basically either at eight months or a year and a half, my youngest, so and also in the stomach of my pregnant wife, the two trips ago. So... I don't know what it's like about. I haven't even thought about losing interest in Disney. Right, my my oldest is seven. Like she, like this, like the next trip that we go on, she's going to be actively planning the vacation with yeah. me. She, like when we went back in last August, she was just going into first grade. Um, her reading skills were a first graders' reading skills, and by the time she finished first grade, she's now reading books and she's great. So she can now she knows how to use a computer and google things and search things and i think it's going to be really interesting how she kind of latches onto the disney planning aspect of things so i'm not i'm not on the other side of that hill that you might be on so i can't really i i can't i can't imagine what it's like i have some thoughts on what he could do but it's kind of more of like theoretical so i think it's more better question for you then is do you see it coming currently and what's going through your mind right now? Cause this is closer to you than it is me.
0: So I don't see it yet. Um, our last time was in February and she was still into it, still very excited about it, but more excited with some of the newer stuff or, or, sure. or, or just different stuff, right? Like less princesses, more star Wars. Um, so I think that's the thing that helps with Disney. There's always some new stuff. So as long as the new stuff intrigues you, there's something there. Um, but I do see her just more involved in different things now. She's much more with her, engaged with her friends, much more um, into YouTube and things like that, and wanting to, you know, she has her own YouTube channel and things like that. So as that grows, you know, it, is she going to start wanting to do things that aren't Disney? She still want to go on family trips and deal with the things. And so I, I don't see it for a while. I think um, she is, you know, we do get her very involved in the planning as well. What do you want to do? And she kind of understands, okay brother and sister get to pick a few things too mm-hmm. um but i could also see at some point splitting things up where maybe you know one of us goes off with her and does some things that are not for the, the younger kids uh, one trip we did do for her birthday my wife took her over to universal to see the harry potter stuff
1: because she's okay. taller
0: the other kids weren't so i think maybe needing to do more of that type thing where we get we do some maybe split the kids up and everybody gets a special thing where it's just more for them um but we'll see um, I do think the switch it up is, is sort of the key to it, that if you start saying, well, we do this, we always stay at this place, we always do these things, you know, maybe we can switch it up, whether it's just having a Disney vacation differently and doing some of the yep. other different things on property, or as um, this author suggests, you know, they're, they're going to go to Universal and try that. So it does remind me a little bit of when my wife actually commented, you know, maybe we could do something different instead of going Walt Disney World, and that's when I talked her to, to go to Disneyland since that's you know, much different. But. Oh,
1: well, there you go. A little bit of, <laughs> it's kind of the same thing, but not really. But no, I mean, like to me, I, I think it's, it's, it's like much, much like anything else that a parent is really into something. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big New York Giants football kind of guy. I, I've, I used to have season tickets back in my twenties, you know, the six hour tailgates every single Sunday, that type of thing. And, um, you know, I, I, throughout my whole, my life, I've watched it with my dad. We spent most of my 20 sitting at a bar, watching the games every single week, bonding with my dad. So all great memories with that. And I've tried getting my kids to watch the games with me. Granted, my son is just getting into kindergarten and he's just showing some interest in it a little bit and not, not at all last year, but then again, he has no idea what's going on on the TV screen. Um, and then my daughter starting to feel, get some interest in it, but it's the same thing as Disney. It's, it's, how much do you bring them along with it so for example if if football was just me screaming at the tv and not interacting with my kids they'll never get into football but if i'm patient and you know explain things to them and celebrate good things with them and all that type of stuff they might find it as an enjoyable family thing and then grow to like the sport and the team et cetera, et cetera. and of course if my kids are not giants fans they're the zone they can't they can't sleep here anymore obviously but um <laughs> But with Disney, I I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, we have so many good family memories. We're a very close, tight-knit family right now. Um, Obviously, that can change as, you know, the the young ones get a mind of their own, the interests of their own, and and friends that they can, you know, call and kind of have their own kind of personal life away from their parents. So Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm almost there with my daughter being able to finally use, like, Google Duo to call her grandparents up and stuff like that. So, I mean, that might change as it naturally does. But again, I I guess my long winded like conversation about this is, you know, all of our vacations have always been pretty good down at Disney. They've been slow, non-hectic, not a lot of angst and fighting and arguing at all. And it's like, you know, it's there've always been good memories. And we've got a healthy Disney family here. I mean, we listen to the music, we watch the movies, but we're not all Disney music or yeah. all Disney movies constantly. Um, none of my kids are into uh, Harry Potter. So I don't know how it's going to be in a couple of years for the whole switch it up type of thing. But anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop my kind of ramble here as as like I can guess how I can try to not have that happen, but it could very well happen. And you know what? We don't go to Disney right now. We're trying to go every year. Certain things have stopped us from doing that at this point. So um, I don't know. We'll see. We, ha- we haven't had Disney fatigue. Maybe we can get my sister Alexis back on and talk about it because she certainly went through Disney fatigue there a couple years ago um, and did kind of different things with their Disney trips. And they kind of led yeah. them to Disney Cruise Line, which is kind of a, your version of Disneyland yeah. <laughs> kind of switch up a little bit. So maybe we can have her on talk about it in, in the weeks to come, that type of thing. Um. Next topic I wanted to talk about because we kind of switched it up. There's one thing that kind of popped out. I saw, I don't know if it was announced today or late yesterday, about Mulan. And this is kind of like a, a quick little topic that we touched upon a couple weeks ago. Yep. And I made a prediction that utterly failed on this. <laughs> and I don't understand what Disney is. So Mulan is being re- released for streaming for 30 bucks here in the U.S. on September 4th. And then it will be available on Disney+. Plus on December 4th, I believe it's December 4th um, for everybody has as a Disney plus subscription. I had predicted that it was going to, once they released it for streaming, it was going to go to Blu-ray DVD and then it was going to go to Disney streaming sometime late, late winter, early spring. And we talked about this already, but that they're completely skipping that whole media release and going straight to having it available on Disney plus. I'm flabbergasted. Yeah. But so now do you pay 30 bucks Phil, for it? Or do I'll you be honest.
0: I don't, think we will i don't know i mean i i do really want to watch it so i might just talk myself into it anyway but this is definitely borderline on we just have to wait a couple months and then we don't have to pay 30 bucks you know if it was a year i think we definitely would yeah but we don't even have to wait till the end of the year i don't know it makes it a little harder to pay that 30 bucks i gotta admit i mean
1: granted it's only 30 bucks but then again 30 bucks is 30 bucks right yeah (laughs) <laughs> so I don't know. Um I I definitely probably wouldn't be paying for it. Um I, I was willing to wait, now I just don't have to wait. Yep. I will uh,
0: say I am glad they they announced it cuz if they didn't say when it would be and then it wound up being like a month later or something, I'd be really annoyed I that so I spent angry. the 30 bucks, but
1: you'd have been so angry. Yeah, no doubt. So that that was a little quick hit there for you guys out there interested in Milan. Um pay for it yep. now or wait 2 months. That's, that's basically Let us know months. what are you guys
0: thinking. Are you going to be a is this something you're going to get no matter what, or did this news change your opinion of it?
1: Yes, let us know on Twitter or Instagram. Um, next topic I wanted to discuss because we were watching. This has been a popular topic on a lot of different message boards, um, and this kind of conversation kicked up on the uh, Diz Unplug show this week. That um, came out on Tuesday or last Tuesday, excuse me. And the kind of topic was is Disney ignoring or abusing maybe that's too harsh of a word or ignoring i guess annual pass holders at least local ones and there's a lot of people out there talking about it and the uh the gentleman who 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 hosts the show kind of had his a a little rant about it and i i personally was i was unsympathetic to his his cries of improprietary uh, improprietary to the whole whole thing um, they were talking that you know Disney should start reaching out to APs a bit more. They were It all kind of got spurned by the Bob Chapek comment uh, on the, the quarterly report that um, they care, essentially care more or resort guests spend more money. So they're more important than annual pass holders because it came back with a reservation system and all that other stuff. And, and I kind of have to agree with Bob Chapek on this one. If you're running a business, the annual pass holders spend less money. I know you and I were involved in a thread about a guy yeah. who says, oh, well, animal pass holders spend more money than you think. And of course, this guy's spending like 20 something thousand dollars on Disney vacations every single year. So obviously he's not a normal goer to Disney World, um, but I wish I could do what he does. So I mean, what, what's your whole thing? Is, is
0: Disney abusing APs or what's your whole take on the whole argument here? Yeah, so I think that quote uh, obviously spurred up some emotions. Um, especially Mm -hmm. when just taken into a vacuum saying, hey, I'm probably in aggregate spending more than a a, a guest and you're telling me I'm not as important as them. We have to understand who he was talking to. It was to investors and equity analysts and stuff like that. And he's trying to say how we're handling this pandemic with reduced capacity. If we can only have X number of people in the park, we would like as many of them to be paying for the ticket that day versus having already paid for their annual pass holder pass and knowing that, you know, out of town guests coming and spending that money on a hotel. And if you do, even if you're a pass holder, you don't have to worry about only three reservations, right? You get to make them for, for your entire yep. resort stay. So I think, you know, when you have to kind of keep it in that context of who he's talking to and, and why he's trying to talk about, you know, money, he's talking about how much money this quarter we can bring in, maximizing our revenue mm-hmm. and maximizing our profits. Um, I do get when they're saying sometimes it can feel like, especially the local annual pass holders are underappreciated. Um, and it does seem like when, you know, post nine eleven or post the financial crisis, that's when they had all the deals and they were kind of super nice to all the pass holders. Cause they wanted to get them more back into the park and just get more because the parks were, were empty. Um, and so it's, it can sort of be maybe a one way relationship at times, but maybe that's also why you have to remember you, you entered into a business contract with them. This isn't, yep. you know, sometimes you have to take emotion out of it a little bit, even though obviously Disney plays on emotions. Um, So I don't know. I think, I think you do have to figure out, you know, some of the locals, you know, do only spend, you know, minimal amount. If they have a monthly payment on their gold pass and they, they're not staying at resorts. They're not going to sit down restaurants and stuff. They're not spending a lot per day.
1: What is the Florida resident gold pass per year? I know it's about 40 bucks a month. Yeah, that's that's the that's the number I was thinking. So that's not a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, you know, you could have a family, a couple stay for a weekend and they're sp- spending more money on tickets than in an annual pass holder or gold annual pass holder in Florida. And the, the, I, I you, you can watch just watch all the bloggers that spend a day at Disney. I think the most that they spend is maybe, you know, a hot dog or a hamburger type of thing for like 8 bucks. Yeah. And they're, they're out because they're bringing their own waters. Everybody has all their things about bring your water bottle, pack your snacks and all the tricks to saving money. I mean, Disney loves hearing all those strategies on how not to spend money in their parks, right? So I, I get where they're coming from from a business perspective. The question is, how do you be acknowledge the business environment that you're in and the decisions you have to make for the viability and health of the park versus or how do you mask that while also making annual pass holders warm and fuzzy? Yeah. Now I have the, the one thing I don't think you have to really overtly do anything. I, I think the fact that, because we've heard all these stories about how excellent the cast members are, um, you're getting a higher, degree, higher level of service than you were prior to closure because, and, with most people that are going now that are, I think they gave a percentage or somebody guessed a percentage that it's like 60%, 70% guests are annual pass holders or locals right now. You're benefiting for that increased service so that you're getting that. Um, I, I don't think they could do community outreach. I think that's kind of silly. I, I That would cost more <laughs> to, to actually do that versus kind of hang tight doing what they're doing right now. Um, and I think I think personally Disney is doing... The most that they can do right now I, I can't think of anything what they could do i, I mean they're not going to offer more free stuff right because you know you, you have a pretty inexpensive pass into disney world um i think pass holders can get into at least one park a day when whenever they go to reserve i don't think any park any group of parks have been completely booked all four parks a, have not been completely. there was booked, a stretch right?
0: where i think it was totally blocked out um it was early august or something early like that. on though but i don't but, think
1: an outside they started adjusting things i don't think yeah since they've
0: adjusted it i don't think it's been an issue to get into a a, a park
1: so i'm certainly not an annual pass holder um for me to be an annual pass holder i'd have to do two big vacations a year just to get my money back for those things and i'm certainly not doing that um i don't have the time or the money for two giant disney vacations in a year um and that those things get more and more expensive and we talked about on on a previous show about how, how do you spice up the annual pass to get other people to buy it down the road once things change? And you can go back to an earlier episode talking about access and park hopping, that type of thing. But to kind of come back, do I think Disney's dis- dismissing annual pass holders? No, I just think that there's a lot of annual pass holders out there, locals, that are um, expecting maybe a little bit more and feeling kind of left out where they couldn't get to the parks all of a sudden when
0: before they could go whenever they wanted. I, I 100% agree with that, and I do, you know, maybe try to flip it a little bit to put in their their point of view. One of the reasons they buy the annual pass, especially if sure. it's a platinum one, is because they want to be able to get in whenever they want, right? And so they f- sort of feel like I'm not getting what I paid for. Um, obviously, they say, "Well, yes, it's a pandemic going on; everything's kind of different." Yeah. But, but at the same time, I can understand being like, "Wait a minute! You know, you're taking away all these perks. You're taking away park hopping, which is a big thing." Um, It just feels like they're not getting what they paid for. Um, But then again,
1: Disney has offered refunds and refunding the time that they were
0: closed. So they've been very
1: accommodating. I
0: was going to mention that too. I think two things. One is because you're taking away things like park hopping, I guess that's what they said. Okay, in lieu of that, we're going to give you one extra month. But you've also lost obviously fireworks and parades and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. I think they could have been a little bit more generous. You do see some theme parks saying, okay, we're going to extend your 2020 pass to cover all of 21 as well. Um, I'm not saying they needed to do a whole year, but maybe they could have done sure. a little bit more. And I know the communication about like, okay, what am I getting refunded for? How many days, you know, how can I handle it? It's been a little, you know, in typical Disney fashion it has been confusing. And I also think it's, it, I, I feel bad for the pass holders who have had to stay on the phones for not uncommon for four hours sure. to get to someone to, just to cancel their pass. I feel like some things like that, where they could have, it could have made them feel a little bit more appreciated that way look like look we get it it's a crappy time If you want to cancel now we're going to make that easy we're going to make it easy for you to restart your pass later maybe they could have said stop canceling you could suspend your pass and start it up in six months when you feel comfortable coming back you know whatever it is i -hmm. think they could have done things like that that would have made people feel a little bit more appreciated but But that's for
1: the people that are already canceling or trying to figure something out. So they're already feeling negative because something got screwed up in communication. I think if they were going to do anything, it would have had been for the annual pass holders that were not canceling, that were still going to go. And I think something easy, if, if, if this is not just a vocal minority of people that are disgruntled because they're disgruntled for whatever reason um, and majority of people feel this way, um, i think very easily they could have ha- picked one day made it like annual pass holder day or something else like that and flipped the re- resort spots with annual pass holder spots and opened it up and gave
0: everybody a free trading pin or yeah.
1: something inexpensive that way to i know they the have done apartment. a little
0: bit with the discounts i know the big thing was for um, on shop disney online they were allowing annual pass holders 30% off. i did see that yep so i think you know i think that went over well so probably more little things like that like you mentioned to say look we know it's It's unusual times. We can't, you know, there's limited capacity, so we can't have you at all the parks, you know, everybody wide open, but here's some small things we're doing. And they got 40% discounts on rooms.
1: Yeah. That was crazy. I wish I could do that. That'd be (laughs) nice. (laughs) Um, Okay, so we had another topic, but but as usual, we always overbook our topics, so we're not going to go into (laughs) it, because we've got only five more minutes. Um, Phil, we wasn't in the notes, but you told me you had this in your head, so I'm going to Throw this at you. Um, last week we started something new where we're going to recommend something at the end of every show. Yes. Are you ready for that? Because it just popped (laughs) in my mind that I totally did not have this at the end of the show. This is week number two. You coming back from vacation. Um, you texted it to me. Do you want, do you want a couple minutes and I'll kind of go over some stuff to load it
0: up and then we'll let you Uh, up with that? No, I can, I, I, I can go into it. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. So I did. And, um, So what it is, and probably the channel as a whole could be one of our recommends, but um, a new documentary came out. It's a full-length documentary, about an hour and a half, uh, entitled Disneyland's Forgotten Sci-Fi Rock Band, Live from the Space Stage. (laughs) Um, And I found it because it is one of the producers is Kevin Pergeron from Defunctland, which I know I've I've turned you on to Defunctland. Yes, great channel. Um, But what it is, is in 1981, Disneyland put together uh, a rock band that was basically sort of a combination of Kiss and Star Wars, um, and they played the stage at Space Mountain, and it went over pretty well. They got these huge fans that came up with, like, names for each of the characters in the band, and they were actually really talented musicians, and... By the end of it, they, I don't want to spoil sort of the end of it, but it it was just this really, A, it was a well-done documentary. It's about something that I had heard of, but didn't know very much about, but it's just kind of this crazy story of this phenomenon that sort of came up, was a huge thing, sort of for one summer, and then kind of went away. And then mm. it's like, you can't really find, you know, I guess there's one video out there, um, but you can't really find everything. So... It's it's kind of an interesting situation, and um, I would you know just go to Defunct Land on YouTube's their channel, and it's right there, and I highly recommend it. So that is the the DBC Pod recommendation for this week is Halik's documentary, Live from the Space Stage.
1: I love it. That's I, I'm definitely I've got that on my like list that I'm want to have some time. I'm going to definitely watch yeah. it. If you're into it, some like the it.
0: weird Disney Maybe. history stuff, especially sort of. Tomorrowlandish, Epcot, Future Worldish, um, ish this, this will be right up your alley. Cool. Well, with
1: that, why don't you take us away with where we can find us on social media, and um,
0: we'll close this out. Yeah, so on Twitter, at PodDBC. Instagram, The DBC Podcast, and on Facebook, at DBC Pod. Uh, we try to cross-promote everything there, but please search us out, follow us, like us tell your friends, all that sort of stuff. Um, we're trying to get as much out on social media as we can.
1: Yeah, don't be shy. Send us some questions. We want to start a uh, listener question podcast at least like once once a month, once every other month, once we get a good, good group of uh, questions going. But with that, everybody have a great week. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Take care, everybody.